0: Here today with Mary Elizabeth Halper, my friend and colleague. Mary Elizabeth and I sometimes ask each other what we've been thinking about, so this is an authentic conversation. Mary Elizabeth, what have you been thinking about? What question is on your
1: mind? I've been thinking a lot lately about the way in which or whether reading is an act of friendship. Uh, there's this sense of, especially in our seminars, the sense of the sometimes said that. The book is the only authority in the room but I don't think I've related to books as authorities so much as as I don't know maybe treasure troves but then more recently the more I read them as as friends someone I can learn from so I've been trying to think about what what is reading such that maybe it can be a way of being friends with a book
0: is it the book that we're friends with, or is it the author that we're friends
1: with? Yeah. So I think I really want to say, suggest, or at least explore the possibility, that it's the book that's the um, that you're trying to be friends with. Right. Uh, there's a sort of bit of the soul of the person who wrote it sort of frozen, or oh, frozen doesn't seem right because I want it to be alive, but... It's, it's sort of, that's what it is, right? That's what is written. And I don't, I think I want to see what I can learn from the book as if it's the only thing that can talk to me and not have to worry about, well, what would, I don't know, what would Plato say about any one of his dialogues? I wanna say Plato said everything that he wants to say and now it's my now I wanna figure out what's in these what's in these books.
0: Right. So we're not talking about like resurrecting the author to talk to to relate to him about his own book or her yeah. own book. It's it's something different. It's a relationship that we have with a book itself. Do you have an example of a, a kind of friendship with a book that you've had that might be helpful? Oh, like, well, how does it change over time? How does it start? How does it change? Like, how is it like a real friendship?
1: Well, I think yeah, going back to the books over and over again is uh, maybe a, a crucial part of thinking about reading as an act of friendship. And so, in that respect, I think Plato has to be the one that I've that I would go back to. Maybe Shakespeare is another one. Yeah, it's complicated because they have characters in the in the books, and so in some ways, I'm friends with the dialogue, the Mino, but in other ways, I'm like getting to know Mino in a different way this time that I read it or getting to see a different side of Socrates. Uh, so, but, but maybe Aristotle, with whom I've also spent a lot of time. Uh, there's a, yeah, uh, maybe this is too flighty. There are ways in which like it responds to my moods, it, like, a, like a friend would. Different things strike, hit me in different ways when I read them. So, I can, I, so part of it seems to be that we were
0: in a conversation with a book. So it's, it's not something that's where we're just passively receiving the book in, you know, being poured into our ears or whatever it's, um, or poured into our eyes. We're asking it questions. We come to it with certain questions and it, and it talks back to us, and then that might change how we respond the next time or the next thing that we ask. is Is that part of it the the sense of part of the friendship that we have a conversation with a book of some kind
1: or that we're not we're not we're not passive as far as it's concerned? Yeah, I think I definitely that's one of the appealing things about thinking of a reading as an act of friendship is that it involves the reader in a very active way, even more active than just sort of being actively receptive. Like the con- conversation, there's converse, you're taking turns right. with bringing something to. And so this is another question about if it's a, if it's a friendship, is it one of these um, sometimes called triadic friendships where you're looking to the good of the friend and the friend is looking to, the, to your good, but that means that there's this third thing. It's not just between you and your friend. And so I wonder if the taking turns with the book is to try to get closer to something that you're both trying to to get closer to maybe some like, truth or insight or, or something like that the thing that the book's talking about the thing that you're asking questions about
0: and that seems like a human friend too in that you you t- we do things with friends like we go to a f- we watch a film with a friend we have a dinner with friends we we there's some third thing or we're involved in we teach at the same college. There's a third thing that is involved with us, and I can I can think of an example. In my I I remember it's one of the only times, honestly, which is a bit embarrassing given I have a degree in philosophy, that I read philosophy out of a personal burning desire, and it was uh, I was uh, in the middle of becoming Catholic, and they read in church the um, Abraham sacrifice of Isaac, and I was just like. Struck and horrified. And I remember going home and pulling out Kierkegaard, fear and trembling from the shelf, because I was like, he taught, like, talk to me, Kierkegaard. You tell me what, you know, tell me how to understand this. And that was definitely a case where a, a friendship of a kind was opened up between me and a book because of our common interest in some other thing. Um, and I think. It's a book that when I go back to like I don't go back to it now with that same question mm. um, and I see something different each time that feels like another way that that um, friendships with people and friendships with book are similar like you things emerge over months or years that you that you hadn't seen before um, it's not always um, well I don't know now sorry I've been talking for a while but, um there are friendships with people that are nostalgic, right? You have like one set of core experiences and when you get together, all you do is like mm-hmm. revisit the magic, you know, revisit, you know, it's remember, remember that spring break road trip to New Orleans, you know. Um, but then there's friendships which are real lifelong friendships where there's something different each time and, and yeah. you grow and change and the person grows and change and the friendship changes
1: with that. Is there something yeah. analogous with books? I think so. I think there's this strange interplay of sameness and surprise that can happen. That seems to be there with especially the friends that you can you can be you can be friends with over many many years. Um, that you, in some ways, yes, there's always something different, but in another way, they're not different. And the the fact that there's some sort of like stability to them, and maybe even to the friendship, is that. You, you also can sort of be surprised by them in a way that doesn't fundamentally alter the friendship, but they can they can still surprise you after however how many years. Uh, yeah, I like the contrast with the nostalgic friendship. I mean, I have books that are like that, right? You like you go back and you read an old, uh, my particular guilty pleasures, sci-fi, you old <laughs> sci-fi books that you remember reading when you're like 10 years old, you a flashlight and you're trying not to... <laughs> <laughs> right, um, they're nostalgic books like that, and you're like, oh, I remember thinking that this was going to remember what like what gripped me about this, but right. it's different than than the books that, in some way, there you know sort of what's in them. You know, fear and tremblings about Abraham and Isaac, but it's going to be yeah a little bit different each time, but in a way that is still like yeah about the same things. It changes, maybe it changes with you in a way. But yeah, I kind of like this, I, I don't know, can, you, can we stick on this idea of like st- stability and surprise or sameness and surprise and how those things can go? To, is that something that, does that seem right about human beings as well as about books? Well, I think
0: it's definitely true about you. Like even people you've known your whole life can surprise you um, and It's not even just that there's some new development, but there's something that's been there all along that you never saw before. So Mm -hmm. it seems like part of why it's a rich question about how you could be friends with a book is because there's enough, there's something really hidden about another person. Um, Otherwise you could never, you know, you wouldn't be surprised. I mean, at least in a real friendship or in a, a really a deep relationship of any kind, it's it's going to be basically mysterious. You're not going to ever really know who that person is. You might have various ideas that you toss out about who they are. They might have little stereotypes that you put them in over the years, but they're always busting out of them. Uh, so, what? yeah, help me think about what that would look like for books.
1: Yeah, because it seems strange. Maybe I should have uh, put it the other way around. Is it as true about books as it seems to be about human beings? Is it seems strange. Books are there. There's no. There's not going to be another book added to the Republic. There's no book 11 of the Republic out there, right? So right. <laughs> but they're written. They're done. And that's where we started we, off. We, was, we could like, write it as fan
0: fiction. I think we could do that. We, that's could, write it, it, yeah. we could write the 11th and 12th books of the
1: Republic. That, that seems pr- particularly creepy if you go back <laughs> to the way that books maybe are like human beings. That seems uh, maybe a little pygmalion y or something. Um, but yeah, in some ways, the books are done. They're done, they're, they're written, and they're not gonna change in, certain, in a certain respect. Socrates will always go down to the Piraeus, and Socrates will always, in the, in the Republic, and he'll always be the last one awake at the symposium, at the end of the symposium. And he's always, always, always gonna die at the end of the Fido. So in some ways they will just never change. they're done. But in other ways, right there's the I don't know, maybe something like the meaning changes or can change the significance of it. can be this unplumbable mystery like human other human beings are?
0: Well, so I don't know, we could think about the different possibilities for change. Something might have changed about me in the meantime. Mm. So when I read King Lear when I when I was a student, I was, you know, the, the daughters are just totally unsympathetic. They're just evil. You just hate them with every fiber of your being. But uh, I saw the play not that long ago, and I realized, oh, wait, there's a difficulty here. There's someone with power who's aging. And um, there's a question about when and how that power gets handed on. And that's something I only see as an older person, you know, having seen, say, you know, transitions in power or thinking about aging parents and what what can go wrong or aging relatives um, or aging grandparents. So I, I think that's a case where I just see things differently because I'm different. Mm. But I also think that there must be other ways that you can find a depth that was always there that you Mm -hmm. just didn't see it. And it's not because you changed. It's because the book was, the book is, is uh, unplumbable. It's inexhaustible. It has this inexhaustible quality, which is like the mystery of a human being in a certain way. Maybe, maybe it's even the same in some way as Mm -hmm. the mystery of a human being. I don't know how to think about it.
1: Yeah, I think I really, uh, when you were talking about how the book changes maybe because I'm changing, although I certainly don't want to deny that, and your example was beautiful, and I think, I mean, I'm sure we could come up between us with many, many, many more examples of how a book changes because we've changed, but I want to, I guess I'm I'm wanting to resist, um, not to say that you were doing this, but reducing the book to a kind of mirror of myself. Like, I uh, exactly I agree perhaps very vainly don't want reading to be an right. act of vanity right <laughs> just like holding it up to myself Ooh, what new thing can I learn about my life now uh though there I mean I think there can be something useful maybe even something beautiful in that but I yeah that it doesn't seem true to the at least the the describing the experience that I've had in reading some books like I really I would be very disappointed in myself and probably in the book if the experience ends up being actually this kind of act of vanity.
0: Yeah, or if somehow in reading a book, the only thing you ever find out about is yourself. That doesn't seem quite right. I mean, there's something called self-knowledge, which is crucial and important, but it doesn't seem quite right. So can we think of an example of that kind of inexhaustibility feature, so that it's not something that's changing in me, but something that just emerged out of the shadows in the book. Uh, do you have an example like that?
1: I might be able to come up with one if you don't, but. Yeah, let me hear. Can I hear yours? Sure. And then, yeah, then. To have a better sense of sort of what you are yeah. So
0: that uh, I remember, so. I think this feature that we're talking about, the inexhaustibility and the possibility of something like a friendship is part of what it means for there to be a great book, right? Mm -hmm. What's the kind of books that we read at St. John's? Um, But sometimes we know these books really well. So I remember when I was a first year tutor and it's freshman seminar, which is Mostly ancient Greek stuff, which is what my specialty was, and a lot of it is Greek philosophy, which is what my specialty was. And we were reading Plato's Republic, which is a book that I had read at that point about a dozen times. Very, you know, I'd worked on different parts of it, I had written about it, I'd spent years on this book, and I was nervous going in. I thought this book isn't going to have anything else to say to me. Like I I don't have. I'm. I might be done with this book. And I was able to maintain that through, I think, the first two seminars. I was able to maintain the sense that somehow the book was no longer speaking to me. Like it had said to me everything it was going to say. And then we get to the cave, which is the most hackneyed. Everyone reads it. Every school child knows it. And all of a sudden, I I wish I could remember exactly what I saw. But I saw something about it that I had not seen before, some way that some way that it meant something, um, some way that it might even be an account of the, the kind of thing a human being is, like the cave is somehow like the body in some way. I can't, I can't recover it clearly enough to articulate it. Um, but anyway, I, and I was like, okay, like, that's fine. This is going to work. This is, this, you, you can be, uh, you can have spent 10 years, 15 years studying a book yeah. And it can still surprise you. It can still teach you something. And that wasn't something I was looking for. That was something that came out of the conversation with others,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, with the students. Well, how important do you think that that last element is about something that came out of the conversations with the students? Because as you were speaking, I was I was thinking. Um, I too studied Greek, ancient Greek philosophy, and this was, and I was nervous about sort of okay. how much I could put distance between myself and the books and be able to see them afresh. But I found I didn't actually have to work all that hard at it, thankfully, because I came in and everyone's talking about this new this new book that this read, right? Like, they, what about this? What about that? And I got to see it almost immediately as something new, something that surprised me because I was seeing what they were seeing and they didn't have. Um, they hadn't long forgotten the first time that they read it. Or whatever. Uh, so I wonder how much is that yeah how much is the the inexhaustibility of it related to or is' this, or maybe where the question is, do you need the others to get access to it, or is it just like a helpful addition?
0: well I think that the other people in the group matter um but I don't know whether they always solve that particular difficulty because sometimes students have similar reactions, similar first reactions to books. So it's pretty nor- you know normal for people reading Aristotle's Politics for the first time. They find this thing about the natural slave and they just have this horror, you know. Um, and so that horror, which is fair and good and reasonable and a appropriate reaction in many ways, it's no longer, it's not interesting to me after a certain point, because I know that it's there, I know what's causing it. And so it it too can, in a bit, it was more, you know, I taught for a long time at other universities, and we would... Um, you know, when you pose the same question to a group of students, they'll respond often in the same way, year after year. Hmm. Um, so I think it has to do with the book hmm. okay. and the other people because one thing I've noticed too is the book the books are complicated and there's a lot in them and the readings are big. Um, and I think that's something that people wonder, who, who love books like us they wonder about how we can read these books so fast but for me it's a way of noticing things that I otherwise wouldn't notice you know so some student will say what does this line mean and i'll just suddenly realize I'd never really read that I, that would have been a part i'd kind of gone over quickly hmm. so i think it's complexity complexity is part of the part of the inexhaustibility the, and, and richness I don't know what complexity and richness are they feel a little buzzwordy but
1: yeah. Yeah. So Shakespeare's but I'm sonnet, can you. you be friends with Shakespeare, with one of Shakespeare's sonnets? I mean, it's, oh gosh, 14 lines. Cause that's how many lines are in his head. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's 14 lines, but uh, I don't know. I feel like I can keep thinking about uh, several of the sonnets. Like, I So I'm not sure. Maybe that still meets this criterion of complexity, but it's it's not just because it's big, right? Maybe... Maybe what it's trying to talk about is really complex, and that's that's where the complexity lies, not not so much in the arrangement of the words, but the So that goes
0: back to the third the, the third triad, thing. what you're calling the triad, the third thing. Yes. So it's the third thing that's complicated. Mm. And the words help you to see some the words hit you in a different way, and then the asp the aspect of the thing that we're thinking about. Comes out, um, I mean, yeah. love and death in the
1: sonnets, but maybe right, yeah. But then now I'm thinking about like books that I've read on Shakespeare. Like, why wow, you're not saying nearly as much about about what he's talking about in 14 lines, and yet here is this sort of 40 page article. Uh, so I, yeah, I think this goes back to this idea of sort of there, there is a Uh, a kind of writing that one can really be friends with that maybe isn't, not so much because of its size, but because of what it's trying to do. Whereas like, I just, I I couldn't be friends with a, I don't know, a a book of essays on, of scholarly essays on Shakespeare's sonnets or something.
0: Well, you, I guess you couldn't also, you, you wouldn't record one of our seminars and listen to it later, would you?:
1: Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, there's something about the like the can I use a Greek word Kairos, the like <laughs> the opportune moment? Right? Yeah.
0: But why is that? So, I mean, I'd almost rather read, I think I'd definitely rather read a piece of secondary literature, even if it's not as rich as the primary, over listening to a seminar on it. Even though I'd much rather be in the seminar than yeah. reading the secondary literature.
1: What's what's going on there? Um, yeah, there's like an unrepeatability uh, to these conversations about the book, even though the book itself seems to be imminently repeatable. You can read them over and over again, although you're not quite repeating the you know the experience of reading it for the seventh time reading it for the eighth time etc cetera, etc cetera. but then again you never have the same conversation more than once right
0: yeah i don't know i think i want to resist i think the author has to matter i think the author must be part of what's making it such a rich experience mm-hmm. and so it's, it's not just that there are words and images on the page. It's that someone was using those to communicate. And I feel like the reason why, I mean, the reason why it doesn't feel silly to say you can be friends with a book the way that it does to say, like, you can be friends with a particular type of wine or something or friends with... Um, yeah, a box of chocolates. Like you can't be friends with those things. Um, you're just consuming them. Uh, you might consume them in different ways in different times. You might have a continuous set of memories about them. But there's something about the human being on the other end of the book who's trying to communicate with you. That seems to really matter as far as the sense of it being something deep, inexhaustible, mysterious. Because that person is a real human being. They're not just... Uh, a word generator or, a, or yeah.
1: a, a compiler. So I wonder: should we think about the book then not as sort of the product of the activity of the author, but the like the sustained activity itself? So I wonder if this is this is a way to maybe um, find a mean <laughs> <laughs> between us. Uh, so the reason I resisted about being you're trying to be friends with the author is that I, I kind of I, I feel very strongly that if Aristotle walked into the room and said this is what I really believe I'd yeah. say well but this is what you wrote and this is what we're talking about and this is what I want to talk about right, right. this is I, right. you can't just like override and pull off yeah. the author author card and override the
0: I can definitely say I don't but I I can just definitely picture a St John seminar going on the author walks in and it's like what. Let me explain what, what, and and everyone ignores him, (laughs) you know, just complete. that would be very St. John's. That would be the most St. John's thing that's ever happened, I think. Anyway, go ahead
1: about that. Yeah, so I think that's why I want to resist, but I like this idea. I think the, the other, the way that you could go too far away from the author is to make the book a kind of product, static product. Right. Then, then it fits, then it seems like Maybe it's more like the wine or the something consumable. Right. And, but if it's, if it's this sustained activity of the author's soul, then the author matters, not because he should have the, or she should have the final word on what it means, right. but because it's, it's the thinking, not the thought of the, of the author that you're trying to think along with. That seems
0: right. And it needs, fits neatly with something I know I... I end up saying to students a lot who are writing papers, I say a paper is a piece of thinking. Start somewhere, it gets somewhere else. and You want to communicate your thinking with someone else. And that it also feels like thinking about what someone says might be fixed, you know, but how they're thinking you might see that any number of ways, yeah. any different, you know, what what's motivating them. Here's another example, Plato's Republic. You know, one of, somewhere between read, you know, reading it the seventh or the eighth time, whatever it was, <laughs> sometime in graduate school, I had reread Thucydides for the first time in many years before it. And all of a sudden, the book was completely different, completely different, mm. because that was the world in which it was written. And that was the kinds of problems that everyone in the room was thinking about. And was just, you could feel the tension in the room that was coming from Thucydides. And I I think um, that seems like I understood something about the thinking. Like the way that the characters were thinking, but also the way that Plato was thinking. it wasn't so much that they were saying different things; it was mm. that the the, the 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 way that you got from one place to the next, you know, in your thinking, looked different. Because you can d- interpret that in all kinds of ways. It's yeah. not always straightforward. How does someone get from this to this? Um, you know, how do you? And and even so, how do you get from civil war to an ideal republican speech? Like that's. question you could answer any number of ways i think Uh,
1: so i think that what you just described a, a lot of people might call it context right the stuff that goes along with the text but i kind of i'm not sure that is what you were describing it sounds like it but i think if we're going with the model of the book is a is a kind of could be a kind of friend then really you just you saw this is going to sound um, very unmathematical. You saw more of a whole. You, had whole. you had a whole before, and now you have more of a hole <laughs> Because, because, there's, yeah, because you, you get to know yeah. the book a little bit more. And yeah, so it's not like you were missing some crucial piece of, like you, you couldn't get a, a good meaning out of the Republic if you hadn't read Thucydides but but rather that you got it became a a, a greater whole.
0: I, I think know. the way that I would try to put. I understand your concern because yeah. it wasn't it wasn't that the, my first seven readings of the Republic were wrong. Right. Right. Yeah. It wasn't that there was. Um, it wasn't that I didn't learn anything prior to that. So I didn't need that context as background in order to understand the book, which I think is the, the argument about context is telling you. Yeah. It's like the context, without the context, you can't understand the book properly. Um, whereas that's not quite true. Um, it's. I also want to say it wasn't just context. It wasn't like some archaeological discoverable fact like... Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, there was a, a volcano erupted <laughs> you know, 20 miles from Greece the year before the Republic was written. That might be context, which um, might change or might not change how I went. but what was it was another book, it was another author who was seeing this something similar to what the characters in the dialogue were seeing. So it was it was more like... I saw the connection between two books, which is not, I think, the same as what people mean by context. Mm-hmm. And also, I didn't I didn't need it because there was enough in the book already, mm-hmm. you know. And in a way, as you were saying about the first reading, you can never, there are things you notice on the first reading that you can never, um, you know, you, that might be obscured. Like, yeah. if you... If you if you read the cities before, I think we read it afterwards here, right? Yes, we do, <laughs> so, yeah. so there you go. Um, I think if you read it right before, you might automatically move towards certain uh, questions, certain ways of thinking, certain ways of putting the book, and you might miss a lot that way. So it illuminates something, but it obscures something else. Maybe so. It may have something to do with uh, the, and that might be part of the inexhaustibility too that our attention. Only works in certain ways. It's we see parts of it lit up. You know, all of a sudden, yeah. I saw parts of the book lit up, but that meant I wasn't paying attention to other things I would have paid attention to before. Uh, and that's maybe yeah. why we, why also why the the other reason why we resist context is because it does put limitation. Yeah, that seems right. And especially if you put it with the context has this authority, it's like there's something that you you know. That, there's a correct way of reading this book. Great. There's some piece that we'd like to illuminate for you, and that's something that um, can be useful, but it's not the type of reading we do here, where we're really trying to get the student to mm-hmm. approach the book freely, without any without any presuppositions about what it's supposed to mean.
1: Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense, and I like this idea that it's part of it's connected to the. Um, the inexhaustibility of the book. if in one sense it means that you're always missing something. If it's if the book is really right. un, unexhaustible, inexhaustible, uh, then you're always missing something. But it's it's not you're not missing a something that like is a, a missing piece of an accumulation without which you don't have a whole. Right? Like we want it seems like we're wanting to say, no, every time you read it, you do get. You get a hole somehow. You get the, the you, if you read the whole book, which we should read <laughs> the whole book, uh, then you get, yeah, you get um, some meaning out of it. But then it, it's not like the next time you read it, you're, you're finding the next piece to fit into what will eventually be the complete and utterly uh, perfect understanding of.
0: Well, see, popularity. maybe I want to re- say more about why you think there's a hole at all. A whole. I, I don't know whether I would have said that. So what do you what do you mean by that? What's an
1: example? Uh, I think I mean it in the well. Now I might be going in circles. Uh, I, I think I mean it in the way that when you, you know, when you become friends with someone, um, you there are certainly things that you don't know about them, but I, I want to say. Yeah, I I still know my friend. I might not know every little detail of their history and I, in fact, may not know what they're going to do tomorrow. I'm not sure about knowledge about future events, but uh, I, I want to say that there is, yeah, the, if there's an incompleteness to that knowledge it, or my familiarity with my friend, It's not. it's not of a piecemeal variety, the incompleteness. It, there's no like piece of knowledge that I can get that will suddenly make everything perfect. And so it seems like I have to I have to sort of know my friend as a whole as already, even though it can be a more perfect whole. Hmm.
0: I don't know what I think about that. i i I want to just I think I'd want to go to the direction and say because it never becomes complete. It was never a whole. Hmm. But so, what? What are you getting at with the the wholeness? Is it the unity of yeah. the, per, the fact that it's one person? So it's yes. or something like that that's holding together some things.
1: I think I want I want unity, but I also want an integrity, which is another way of saying a whole. But uh, that there's, if I if I really am friends with the person, right. so that's the hypothesis. Right. Then. I have some sense of what makes them one, and not just that they are one, but sort of what holds together all of the different facets that I that I see in them.
0: Is there always such a thing? What 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 kind of thing would that be? I know some pretty divided people. I mean, what's the thing that what might be an example of something that holds some holds someone together?
1: Oh, I'm thinking of that uh, that line from the that I guess they call it a fragment of Heraclitus about the um, the back harmony, like the bow or the lyre. I mean, if can you know you a really divided me? person, oh I don't think I, I don't think I can say the Greek. I think it's something like Yeah, they don't understand how things that differ from itself can agree. Uh He's talking about the, these many. Yeah. Not Heraclitus understands Heraclitus, <laughs> um, how something that differs from itself can agree with itself. Uh, just it's a it's a it's a a back stretching harmony, just like a bow or a lyre. So there's something about. I want to say that you know divided people, but you know them as one person who's seems to be like. I don't want to say defined by, but certainly it belongs to who they are that there's this division in them, this conflict in them. So
0: But then what's the I unity? If it. I think about the bow and the arrow from the Heraclitus, then I'm thinking the unity is it's gonna shoot an arrow somewhere. There's a unity of intention. It's like if I think about the liar, liar. player. It's 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 something similar. It's it, it's maybe not as concrete. It's not like a target, but yeah. it's a it's it's the music.
1: Well, you pluck you pluck a note right on a lyre string. Right. Where's the note? Is it where the string is when it's over here, or where the string is when it's over here, or no? no? It's actually it's in the going back and forth. Right, that's where the note is. That's where what the string is supposed to do is doing. Doing that thing, it's in the not being anywhere in particular. It's being in the so. It, is region. the
0: suggestion that a human being, or maybe the character of a human being, is is something musical? Is that the right analogy? So, um, yeah. You know, they they seem divided in the sense if you judge them by a principle. If you're like, well, I thought that was a high-pitched person, but now they're hitting a low-pitch. <laughs>
1: and, and you're like, what's going on? I, I, I'm only friends with high-pitched people. I feel like we've got a good replacement for the Myers-Briggs person. <laughs> so I'm just, just low-pitched. <laughs> it's the, I'm an SATB one or whatever. <laughs> SATB.
0: <laughs> the missing myers Brigg type is yeah. SATB. Soprano, alto, tenor, bass. But, but the... That that would be absurd if you were thinking of it as musical. Well, so, but there are pe- people who behave erratically by some measure. What's the what's the, what's the unity that's holding them together? That's like the music. I mean, there's erratic behavior. There's erratic principles. There's inconsistency. There's all kinds of things. Um, there's. Doubleness, yeah. there's, or tripleness. I mean, and there's hypocrisy, yeah. there's deception. I mean, wh- wh- how am I supposed to see what's what's one? Or is it only something that some people have, which I don't think uh, you don't want to say? I, I didn't get the I'm sense of that. You to
1: yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of that. I'm thinking of that line in, in the Nicomachean Ethics and the conversations about friendship, where you, the reason why a vicious person can't have a friend is because they're never even the same as themselves. And so they're, they're too all over the place to be To be friends with anyone. So I want to say that you could have maybe, so maybe erratic isn't right. Like if the string were erratic, it wouldn't make a note. If it weren't going like this in its vibration, it wouldn't make a note. If it were just right, there wouldn't be what it does. I'm, I guess, so I want to say that there can be tension in another human being. They don't have to be just one thing and only that one thing. But it does seem like if there's not some sort of core unity to them, even if that core is defined by conflict or tension, then then maybe, yeah, they can't be friends. You can't be friends with them. No one can be friends with them. They can't be friends with themselves. Okay, so now I'm trying to move back into the
0: book world. So um, so some books contradict themselves um, or they they present theories that don't seem compatible, parts of the theory don't fit together. So are they books that you can be friends with, or is there a way of thinking of them as being unities or wholes? Um, Maybe that could help us figure out, maybe we could use books to figure out people. We started trying to figure out, use people to figure out books, but now we can maybe go the other direction.
1: To be honest, the other direction is mostly how I've lived my life. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that explains where this question came from, <laughs>
0: because you relate to books as a young person, and then
1: you Maybe have to make your way out into the
0: world of, of three-dimensional books were my humans. First
1: friends. <laughs> and they've been my best friends. <laughs> uh, they've certainly been my longest friends.
0: Right.
1: Uh, this might be a very sad confession.
0: Right? <laughs> I'm the no, same way. It's, it's fine. Fresh. It's true for me too. Uh,
1: yeah, it's, it also it turns out right that, that my friends are friends with me because of books, right? In a very sometimes in a very literal way, uh, but I don't know, there's they have my, if we're gonna be friends, like if someone's gonna tolerate me, they're really gonna have to be okay with talking about books a lot. Uh, yeah, so yeah, you said go back to use people to help with books. So right, know, so so conflicts and
0: tensions in a yeah. book. Right. So I, I, th- I don't know. I'm just going to try a little bit. that There might be some tensions or conflicts that actually just made the book almost not worth reading. Yeah. So like, so. or you might even wonder whether it, it should be bound in the same, you know, you know the, 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 or yeah. whether it should be published, um, whether it should be read. There might be a point where it's just too disunified. But there... What are the kinds of things that might make that not true? Because I think actually most of the great books have a lot of tension.
1: I Yes, I would agree. Um,
0: they're like high-tension books. Yes. Um, and so high-tension that you do sometimes wonder how the pieces can fit together. But what? What's? How do we think about what
1: does hold them together? See, but I think asking that question, how do... This, these things seem contradictory. How do I hold them together? I think that's a question of friendship. That's a question that comes out of friendship. Because if you, you read this book and you're like, how do I, these things seem to be contradicting each other. This guy was an idiot or he changed his mind. So I shouldn't believe the first one. So I the second. This seems like not the way that you should, that you relate to a book as a friend. You're, I think, yeah, your first idea is like, okay, how could I make Whole of this, why would he? Why would the books be saying something that seems completely the opposite? Now, is there something that changed? Was there something that um, that was introduced that made things that make things different? Is this a different context in the book within the book? I mean, it's the same thing with your friends. Like, if your friend, whom you've always known to be fairly serene or or, or calm and collected, comes comes into whatever space you're in and is just fuming, I think your first thought should not be, oh, well, I guess I didn't really know my friend. <laughs> or, man, I guess my friend is having like a psychotic break. Or isn't my friend really anymore? I think you have to say, OK, what has happened? Right. Between the last time I saw them and this, something must have happened. Right. And I want to understand it. And it may be that, that they did have a psychotic break, and now you don't have a, a good friend anymore. I don't know. but But it does seem like your first question should be, how do I make this make sense? given what I already know of my friend
0: but it doesn't seem see he, uh, it doesn't seem like since you also were a, studied Plato in grad school I can just so there's a developmental interpretation of Plato right he loved Socrates when he was young and then he realized Socrates was wrong with everything and then he came up with his own ideas and then he rejected some of his own ideas when he was old now I find this a very I mean I find it dumb a lot of times, but I also find it not fr- uh, friendship, so yes. not respectful of the author mm-hmm. in, this, in the same way that if you're, you know, you're talking about your friend to a third person and you say, oh yeah, well, you know, they used to think this and then, you know, um, they were in that little car accident and then ever since then they vote this way or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that, there's a way in which if you talk about someone biographically, you're not really... Yeah, engaging with them in in a in friendship. So I don't know. Um, so it seems like maybe what I want to get back to is that they're, you want to th- see how they're thinking. Your thinking yeah. can drive you into a contradiction. I mean, that happens to me a lot. Yeah. yeah. So you know Ollie, it does happen to you a lot. <laughs> 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 <Can> you <laughs> <rid of> it happens to me a lot. you know, people say, Well, you were you know uh you know, you, you said this and then you said this, and and how can they be reconciled? And you're like, Well, I was trying to figure this thing out. Yeah. You know, I was trying to figure out how to fit this with this, and I felt pulled in this direction, and then I felt pulled in this direction. Um and then yeah. then you're inviting when it's that way, then you are invited into the problem that the author is struggling with.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, now, why? You're, that happens in thinking. That happens when it's happening like in real time, so to speak. Yeah. But if you're writing it down, why not just go back to that first one and say, yeah, I did that wrong. I'm Wait, gonna you've fix got it. like a publisher's deadline. <laughs> 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 Just, <laughs> <laughs> that, that seems like one of those bad articles. <laughs> <laughs> <hypothetical laughs> <those sentences. laughs> you got, or um, you, or you can't. I well, what I'm saying, what yeah. I'm wondering is whether that's part of the yeah, the honest friendship that the book offers. Is that it says, "Look, I'm not going to go back and airbrush out everything. Like this is a this is a record of my thinking, and I want you to be in this problem with me." Together, we're gonna try to, this is part of what it is to think about these things, is that yeah, maybe you come up with, you'll end up in contradictions. And maybe you, my friend, my reader, will actually do a better job of figuring out this problem that I got stuck on. Now, for some reason, now I'm thinking about the,
0: the Genesis in the Bible. Okay, well, that's weird, because we don't. Well, but there's a, there's <laughs> someone who edited that, right? So yeah. someone decided, there are these two creation stories they don't quite fit together. There are things that are different in the two sequences. So they are, strictly speaking, I think, contradictory. Um, and the editor made a choice. They, they could have harmonized them. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have fit them together so that it was one story, but they didn't do that. And I think there is something like that in the, the book that's left in its complexity because it's like, look, I'm not going to figure this out for you. Like, hmm. maybe I can't. Maybe I, I, me, I, the author, can't figure it out. And, of course, with the Bible, it's like, okay, well, you know, who can understand God is God is going to be in the background. But but he, here's how far I got, you know. You yeah. were invited in to, yeah. to do some of the thinking that the author is thinking. That seems – because I, I also think it's something that you come across in – I, we just read it in Aristotle last week. We we're teaching the same seminar, freshman seminar. You know when he Aristotle talks about how the, you know the gods think all the time, and we only think sometimes. <laughs> and we get tired. <laughs> and, and there is something in that too. I mean I, I, I made a joke about the publisher's deadline, but it also I think it can be true like with a dissertation, for instance, you just you just can't do it anymore you know there's a problem, you can't fix it, you're done. You're, yeah. Your mind is, is has stopped functioning. Hmm. So all you can do is hand it on to the, neck, to the reader as something that they can work on. Hmm. Um, as long as they're willing to enter into the, not to judge you and say, this says P and then not P, contradiction, I'm not gonna read it. But yeah. to say, oh, they were pulled into that because of this thing. I don't know the answer to that either. Let's work on it. Let's try yeah. to, let me try to sit with that.
1: So this last thing that you said has made me wonder if maybe, maybe with the kind of friendship that we're talking about here is a kind of guest friendship. Uh, so, Cause you kept using these words, invite or welcome. The book invites or welcomes you or the, the thinking of the book, uh, it welcomes you. And so, yeah, I wonder if there's, what's going on there is something that's rooted in like hospitality. That, that you and the book are sort of strangers until you sit and open it up and then like go into it.
0: So that the I like that a lot because the book is a kind of a host. You you're the traveler. You have a choice about where to visit, where not to visit, yeah. what book to pick up, what not to pick up. Um, but once you're inside, there's you have to uh, receive what's offered in some way and mm-hmm. try to. Um, live in it as if it's your own house for a time, even though you remember you're a traveler. No, I like that a lot. It's great.
1: Mm-hmm. Continuing the conversation is a 20 episode web and podcast series produced by the Saint John's College Communications Office in partnership with 12fps and a Warehouse Productions to continue the conversation with Saint John's College, which offers a bachelor's degree in liberal arts in-person and online master's degrees in liberal arts and eastern classics as well as summer academy for high school students and summer classics for lifelong learners go to sjc.edu